Hey, do you constantly struggle with marketing? Well, let me help you take some load off your shoulders. Using Clinic Gym Connect, our new software product, we can help you market to clients in an easy way. And that is, why not just hit up reactivating your old patients? See, these are people that already know you, like you, and trust you and want to come in. And if you just reach out many times, they will say like, I'm so glad you called. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. Just listen to two of our users, Dr. Carsonani from Capital Sports Medicine and his office manager, Mark, talk about this very concept. One of the things that I really measured has been my past patient reactivations. And it's easy to rattle off anywhere between five and 10 past patient reactivations in a week. Then you don't need to market nearly as much. We saw an impact almost right off the bat. I've gotten more than a few where it's like, oh, I'm so glad you called. Like, I saw your text, sorry to reach back out, but it turns out this weekend I went hiking, I went golfing, I did this, I did that, and I tweaked my hip, leg, arm. And it's such a coincidence you reached out. Like, I need to come in. Thanks so much for reaching out. And the first time I was like, all right, that was a coincidence. And then it started happening two and three and four times. And I was like, all right, so sometimes you're putting yourself in a position to be lucky with this. That makes things a whole lot easier, right? When you're just working with clients who have already been into your office. Why struggle with marketing to new people when you've got a ton of money sitting there in your EHR of patients that have already come in? And just like Mark said, it's super easy and people appreciate it so much. To do this, just check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. Or hit me up, email me, hit me up on Facebook, whatever it takes. I want to get you set up. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Dr. Joe Lavaca. Did I say that right, Joe? You did indeed, Josh. Very happy to be here. I greatly appreciate your time. And to everyone that's listening, thanks for following along. Absolutely. Now, you might hear, those listening might hear some background noise, and that's because uh, Joe believes in the Clinic Gym model. He is a clinician, a PT. (laughs) But that means that people doing gym stuff uh, around you and next to you and behind you, uh, unfortunately, gym stuff oftentimes is loud, right? So uh, we might have to just know that that's because this dude is in the trenches, baby. He's delivering the care as we speak. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, you are a uh, PT by trade and you believe in strength, fitness, exercise, et cetera. Give us a little synopsis of like what your clinical practice looks like. Yeah. So my clinical practice has definitely changed over the last 10 to 12 years. Like I think it should for all of us. Um, Being in New York City, it was very easy to get sucked into the physician-owned model. Very easy to get sucked into the every 15 minutes, if you're lucky, sort of model. Um, Walking out, leaving completely burnt out, not knowing which way was up, who I helped, what did I do that day? Yeah. And I was lucky enough when my daughter was born to link up with a couple of um, my close friends out here in the city. I got my first taste of what out of network, one-on-one physical therapy for an hour could look like. And I was like, wow, I was missing a lot of stuff, not uh, paying attention to people and sitting down and learning communication strategies with them a little bit more. And 
also just having the time to be able to hand them a kettlebell that matched their effort level rather than the, you know, three to five pound dumbbells, yellow TheraBands that I was stuck with uh, <laughs> and everywhere else I was working at, the, at, at that TheraBand time. that you can, you can see through it when it's stretched because yeah. it's so thin and you're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course I was, you know, working on uh, three sets of 10, which I never knocked three sets of 10. I think, you know, three sets of 10 is a strength protocol, right? But um, for all intents and purposes, when people can do 30 in a row uh, and then we're looking at me like what's next on the strength protocol. And I was like, Let's do another 30 in a row of these. I knew it was time to sort of make the change, right? So, yeah. yeah, So, I actually started my own practice as a, a, funny enough, uh, having gotten fired from um, a job I took uh, during my divorce um, in sort of like a way to change things up a little bit, you know, going through some personal changes. uh, It seemed like professional change at the time was going to be something that uh, was going to be good for me. Unfortunately, when I jumped ship from my friends and got back into another out-of-network practice, I wasn't willing to go along with some of the more unethical and sort of shady things that uh, they were doing with billing and note-taking and treatment. So when we butt heads... Well, well certainly times, nobody that's listening to this pra- this podcast has ever no. struggled with uh, some of those <laughs> things thrust upon them. So yeah. yeah, no, but I think there's so, a lot of folks listening that can totally jive with this message of like getting forced in these bad ecosystems and you can be a great, great provider in a bad ecosystem and you'll look like a bad provider. Oh yeah, totally. And that's, that's what it was, right? Like I was singled out. Um, patients sort of started complaining about me because I wasn't going along with what was traditional care there or what I, what they thought was traditional care there. Um, and I guess we just butted heads one too many times and I got called into the office and um, yeah, I remember this because it was my daughter's fourth birthday. And I got fired on her fourth birthday. And I was like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. Uh, maybe I got to return that, that gift I got her, right? Uh, exactly. every, every cent counts right now. But I, I actually turned it into um, really re- the current gym I'm at. Um, they put out a Facebook post that uh, one of their providers was leaving. And they needed someone to sort of take the reins. And literally that day, I walked 10 blocks down, knocked on their door. And I said, hey, man. Good to see you again. I'm back. I just got fired. Uh, and I'm ready to rock this and, and I think run the PT business the way that I, I think I want it to be run, um, which is very much focused on, you know, first and foremost, listening to the person in front of you, getting to know them more than just their pain or their diagnosis, yeah. um, finding out what's really important to them rather than thinking that I was the one that was going to be able to fix them all the time and they had to only listen to me. Um, and that's been about, uh, three and a half years now, which was perfect timing for COVID. I just got the ball rolling a little bit and then, you know, felt pretty confident at where we were as a business. And then we got shut down for six months and, uh, <laughs> you know, like everybody else did. So what you're saying, it's and been a smooth road with no struggles road, to get to man. this point. Oh man, I would do it again a hundred times. Right. Yeah. When uh, people ask you, how'd you get so, how, how are you able to do all this? And it's like. Yeah. A lot of sitting yeah. under my desk on a Friday night, crying myself to yeah. sleep, rocking in the fetal position, but besides that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Not knowing what the, the, yeah. where the next French check is awesome. coming from, you know? Yeah. But, well, um, I, but I totally dig the idea of patient communication. We're actually doing some some work in the patient communication realm and hope to launch some education around it in the future because whether you're trying to get people into, you know, from a clinic into a gym or you're trying to get your gym members to complete a weight loss program or you're trying to get people in active rehab to, to, you know, make their appointments and everything. 
it does not matter what you're trying to do. Communication is at the centerpiece of all that. I mean, we call it different things, marketing, patient education, uh, you know, compliance, uh, weight loss, motivation. It's all communication, right? It's all based around yeah. that. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. I love that fact. Now, one of the things uh, you and I were talking about is when we look at that whole person, you know, we got to communicate with this human being that's in front of us, a being, not just a uh, low back condition, right? It's like, hey, I have low back right. and I have a four-year-old daughter and right. I have yeah. XYZ, right. all these things. One thing that I know you've gotten into because we interviewed one of your homies, which was Allison Evans with Fringe, but you are a large part in this uh I don't know what you say, launch of fringe yep. CBD products. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And can you right. take yeah. us, how, how did you kind of, you know, I think a lot of listeners are going, Hey man, I, I'd be, you know, if they stepped into your clinic, most of the people listening could probably blend right in with like the rehab involves kettlebells. There's a gym right next door. We're doing hands-on care we're doing exercise. Like if they put on your, your uniform, it would fit right in, but not everybody listening uses CBD, right? Sure. So how did you first get exposed to it? And why, why did you kind of jam on that as a, a I don't want to say a treatment modality, but like as a uh, uh, supportive part of treatment? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such a great question. Uh, and this has probably been the number one thing that I've noticed. I only in, ask great questions. Like, no, you ask I, anybody it, around it, me. No. <laughs> look, hey, look, that's why you have the reputation, man. Um, so what, what really was interesting was Allison, whom uh, I know you know well, um, reached out to me a few years ago and was like, hey, uh, I'd like you to start doing some research on CBD products for me. What do you know about it? And my answer was absolutely nothing. And she said, great. That's basically what I know about it too. Um, let's learn together. Let's start doing some research. Let's start pulling the thing because I think this is going to be a really big opportunity for a lot of clinics going forward. So, so you weren't using, using them in your practice. You were straight out of like, what does the research tell us? It could have right. told you like, hey, rub them inside of your left earlobe only. And you guys would have gone forward with that. 100%. I had no history with it. Um, cool. And I was sort of taken aback when I learned more of the history of the cannabis plant in general uh, throughout society and the politicalization of it and the stigmatization of it at that as well. And I would recommend um, this wonderful book for anyone who's just sort of interested in the whole cannabis story. This wonderful book called Smoke Signals basically goes through the beginning of time or what we know about cannabis from you know, a few thousand years ago, almost to every single court battle and legal battle up until today. It's very well done. But by the time I was done reading that book, I realized, wow, there was sort of no reason to ban, outlaw, arrest, criminalize this plant that had basically been a part of human existence across cultures and across continents since really 5,000 BC potentially, right? So that sort of gave me a little bit of a pause because, you know, here we are as a society sort of glorifying happy hour where people will go and you know, basically just drink poison for fun. Uh, I have not read one good research article on alcohol to date, and yet we still are sort of okay with that, right? Um, up until recently, I think everyone in New York City was still getting cigarette breaks. Um, we know that there has not been any good research on smoking. Yet when I brought up the idea of CBD to even my parents, I was like, hey, mom, dad, you know, this might be something you guys want to look into. And my mom's first response was, 
I'm not getting into drugs and neither are you, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's definitely the response that a couple of my patients have uh, been yeah. giving me because they think that CBD and THC, or let's say, you know, the slang marijuana are all the same thing and yeah. they're really not. And I think that's what was the most interesting thing for me to discover. Number one, the longstanding medicinal practices, religious practice, social practices of the plant itself. And then how, yeah, look, there's always going to be, I think, people who take things to the extreme, right? Mm -hmm. People drink too much and they drive. You know, people smoke too much and they end up with... Hey, brother, I, I, as I said before we started this interview, like I'm a chiropractor by license. Like there are people who have uh, let the world know they're chiropractors in a way that I'm like, please don't ever open your mouth again to say anything about your license. I, I would pay you to shut up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've seen it in my own, you know, professional life. Yeah. So, you know, reading up about it and then starting to just sort of now the, the thing about the research is it's tough. Right. And, and I'll be the first to admit that. And I think that the reason that it's tough is that we have a lot of growing evidence on preclinical data. And for, you know, those not familiar with the term preclinical or maybe there's some newer listeners out there. Preclinical data is a lot of just animal models or animal studies. So we can extrapolate to a human potentially that this stuff is safe for me and you, but if you dose a mouse, it won't be the same as dosing an adult man, right? So we're going to have to take that in consideration. The other thing that's a little bit confusing about the research, because cannabis is still a schedule one drug, according to the United States government, it's very hard to get funding for good quality research. And no one really wants to touch it yet until it sort of gets off that list, right? And yeah. uh, just as a fun fact, crack cocaine is a Schedule II uh, substance, and marijuana is still listed as a Schedule One. So that should be yeah. easier, Josh, to do studies on crack um, than it would be on CBD and THC still in this country right now, which is quite okay. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I always look at other markets, like how things have changed. And, you know, I live in Las Vegas, right? Gambling is our number one industry here. And for the longest time, the idea of sports betting, the longest time we were told you can't have a Vegas-based professional team because of sports betting, because you allow sports betting, right? We got hockey. Yeah. Nobody cared. That we worked now out have, well. Now we yeah, have hey, football. football. Nobody cares. And now DraftKings, FanDuel, everybody else has expanded to everywhere. And so the idea of sports betting, which was like the, oh my God, don't ever do it, got reduced because one of the things that, I don't know if you saw that research for the state of New Jersey, but they said, if you look at games of chance as a, like, as a marker for, we don't allow people to play these, then you would have to stop allowing people to invest in the New York Stock Exchange because it is, oh, it was more of a game of chance than poker, sports betting, horse racing, all these things. It's more chancy. You know, because a tweet comes out from the uh, the CEO of something and the stock bombs. And it's like, yeah, nobody could yeah, predict it. Yeah. And with that kind of logic, it's kind of similar to what you're saying, right? Everybody's like, oh, any game of chance is bad. It's like, well, we're, we're doing this thing over here that's not, you know, that's sanctioned. And I think you have that Venn diagram of THC and CBD are overlapping. And in the next few years, obviously, they're going to separate and be like, the the... the the plant is the same, but the end product is very different. We need to treat it that way and talk about it differently. Sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. You know, and then you know, you, you sort of even think about it from a regulation standpoint. Um, one other thing we mentioned is, you know, you can go to 
you know, some bookie on the street and, you know, throw down a $20 bet and hope that you see him again to get your money back. Um, assuming that he didn't run off somewhere. That's sort of like the CBD space right now. You know, you go to a gas station and wow, hot damn, I got some CBD pills there for $5.99. Why would I go online to Fringe or Charlotte's Web or one of these other companies and spend $60, $80? And um, the, the reasoning behind it is because there's only a very few companies that will do um, three-level third-party testing where you get it tested as soon as it gets pulled off as a crop Right, yeah. where you get t- where you get it tested again when you go through the sort of uh, emulsification process, and then when you test it again, but as it's getting loaded up onto the trucks, right? Like, I mean, you want to guarantee that people are buying what they want to buy, and because things are so unregulated, well, I mean, you could probably throw some flour in a, in a pack in a packet, call it CBD, yeah. and no one would really be able to regulate us um, for a really really long time, <laughs> right? So I think it's um, the other thing that sort of created this you know, mistrust is people just don't know what they're actually getting for their money. So it's really important, just like you would go search out someone like yourself or hopefully someone like me, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting a return on investment. And, you know, this is, I remember reading a, when I was in college, I I read like a consumer reports or something because, you know, I was a dork and didn't like girls or something, but, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but I remember reading a, a consumer reports and it was about creatine monohydrate. And it lists oh, like yeah. the top 20 brands by um, sales. And, and one of the, the two things that I remember from today, number one was the Costco brand, the Kirkland Signature, was actually like third on the list. And their highest recommendation based on price for how much you got per serving per dollar. And I was like, that's awesome. And there was a little note, like it was something like the 20 top, you know, brands. And they had a little note at the bottom, like, Seven of our test uh, bottles did not contain any of uh, any material that we could recognize. So it's like you're telling God me that damn. one third of the top twenty basically don't even contain any creatine. Oh, dude, I think you guys serious. are in the same kind of market. Yeah, same thing. And 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 the FDA just went in and did their own study. I think it was in 2018, very similar, uh, and found that over a third of the products they tested either didn't have CBD content or as much as it was labeled. And then shockingly, another third actually had high levels of THC in it. So not only were people just either not going through the whole process or just weren't caring to, but now they're dosing you up with, with THC, which could potentially be the exact thing that clients are not searching for. Right now, I think it, it ultimately what will probably end up happening or, or, or what our vision is, is that there's probably going to be some sort of a benefit that we'll see come out where it's a mixture of a very low dose of THC and CBD that sort of gives you the max therapeutic potential, right? Especially when it comes to maybe pain modulation, um, stress management, sleep management. Because I think yeah. a lot of that yeah. psychosocial component of how people give different expectations and interpretations to pain how people sort of like will harp on their stress over and over mm-hmm. and over again and now turn that into, you know, this, this anxiety or this depression around it. Uh, and then, you know, putting so much, you know, emphasis or, or, or stress on themselves just to sleep, right? So I, I do think that this sort of the THC, the mild THC component to help with that sort of maybe even neuromodulation um, will be beneficial for the fe- for the people who can tolerate it, right? Yeah. And then there'll be some people who, who don't want to do that or who don't want to tolerate it. And that's where we need just better research as a whole um, on CBD itself. I mean, you right? think about something as, as simple as like aspirin that's been around for a kajillion years. 
And, you know, when you're talking about high quality research, like there was a point where aspirin had to get accepted. Then you, you start a bevy of them talking about dosage, like 81.5 is safe for kids and still analgesic, you know, hundred milligrams. Eh, we start seeing too many risk factors. Like where's that standard deviation line? Yeah. You know, and I look 81.5 milligrams is such a random so, so specific amount, too, right? <laughs> but then you and I take aspirin and it's like, oh, we can get, I, I can't remember what it is, 325 milligrams, right? Yeah. But yeah. they're like, hey, at 500 milligrams, you have problems. Like, we're not even at that point because you're saying, like, what you're saying is that the restrictions are so heavy. It's like, is it okay to even test it, let alone 25 milligrams versus 75 versus 100 versus 300? Like, there are yeah. decades for that to occur. Totally, totally, yeah. absolutely. Um, now, can I ask a question, though, real quick? For those listening that are like, um, that are kind of in your, whose practices might be very similar to yours. We're like, Hey, I, I see people every day that are, you know, they're, they're gorked up on caffeine and, uh, bang energy and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're just sleeping too little. They're eating too much. They're working out too little, right? They're like, sometimes I think like trying to call, as you said, neuromodulation is like trying to boil the ocean. Like there's so yeah. much in society working <laughs> against us. It's like, how could you possibly do that? But maybe guide us through so far. And I know we're on the front edge of this, but where have you learned that this really makes sense for a patient, you know, a conversation with a patient. Yeah. So somebody comes in yeah, yeah, yeah. with low back pain, let's just go from there. Where do you, yeah. where have you found a perfect fit? Absolutely. Um, so what I learned from, again, starting this in June, and I think I've always sort of said this to classes that I've taught because I've been teaching for such a long time where you learn something new, you acquire something new, and you know, your first instinct is just try it on everybody, right? And I think that what I would you know, suggest or what I did with, with CBD in my practice was not actually trying it with the current people I was already seeing for a prolonged period of time, right? Uh, and the reason why I sort of did, I did that was because I already had such a relationship with them. Like I felt that giving them something else would probably have been like, oh, I trust Joe. Sure. Let me, let me take this. He's, he's a good guy. He makes me laugh. He's been working with me for six or eight weeks. And if they started taking the CBD, would I have been getting false positives, right? So my, my suggestion for people wanting to learn more about CBD or incorporating into their practice is start it with new people on your schedule. How I sort of started to approach the conversation with the CBD is I follow people through their history, right? So I'm just sort of a guide. I'm just sort of leading them down their way. I never once since June have said, I think CBD would be a great thing for you. So what I do is I sort of model it off of our fringe education system. Our fringe education system is really harped on three main tenets where we wanted to focus for whole person health. One is pain, one is stress, one is sleep. Now, I think collectively we can all say we can do better with all of those things. But I think it's really important for a patient to identify that, yeah, my pain is the biggest thing that's causing a limitation in my life, right? Some people aren't really concerned about their pain. They just want to come in, make sure they're okay. Uh, I had a couple of people on my schedule this week. They were like, my hip felt a little funny. I don't think it's anything, but it doesn't actually hurt anymore. I just wanted you to take a look at it because my friend said you're very open and you're very honest. So for someone like that, I'm not going to say, hey, well, I got this great CBD cream. Uh, it's going to keep your pain at bay because those type of people aren't going to be, I think, maybe the type of market we would be searching for. 
So when I have a person with low back pain come in, like your example was, uh, I ask them very specifically, what are they on? And, you know, typically they'll say some sort of combination. Maybe it's Advil if we're lucky, right? Um, in today's day and age, you never really know. And now we got a fire fire engine coming around the uh, outside. That's that honorary, uh, the honorary yeah. uh, fire truck drive-by I ordered, you know, in honor of how great of an interview you are, Joe. Yeah. I, I was trying to get the, the flyover from the blue uh, angels, but yeah, it was a little too pricey. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. appreciate it, especially given our first interaction. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe for episode two, we can do the flyover. Yeah. Um, a helicopter we'll start with, but, you know, fighter yeah, jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I do apologize, but that's fifth Avenue, uh, New York city for you. But, um, so with patients who are sort of on something already, I asked them, has it been giving them the relief they are hoping for? And a lot of times their answer is no, or I don't know. So it becomes habitual with a lot of people. Uh, and, and this is something that, um, Joe Marchand, I believe is her, her name pointed out a lot in the book called Cure. Uh, which was basically looking at placebo-based interventions for people's healthcare. And when things sort of become a ritual, people are just doing them to do them. And if they don't know why they're doing them anymore, um, I don't know what value they have anymore. And like we were just mentioning, there's probably this okay dose for Advil for a certain period of time. And then when does it become not such a great dose for Advil over a period of time? So if they're first to say, I have been taking something, I'm not sure if it's working, and I haven't been tracking it, I would then start the conversation to say, well, have you tried anything related to CBD um, before? Because there is some promising things coming out now, some stuff on animals, emerging stuff on humans, um, but it's still in its infancy. And I can tell you that it's safe. And we can sort of maybe get you off Advil or off your opioid or off of this if we notice the same response or a better response. So if you're still taking your opioid and you're in pain, well, I know from research that getting you off that opioid is going to be the best thing for you. So if it's just some, it's just to take something to take something as part of the ritual and you take 30 milligrams of CBD in your coffee or your tea and you're like, you know what? My pain still sucks, but it sucked just the same when I was on Advil, when I was on this opioid. Well, now maybe we're taking you off a dependent active ingredient that could cause you harm and replacing it with something that you can still find meaning in, you're still empowered by mm. because you're taking control of something and mm-hmm. we just made it that much maybe more positive for you. So what I've done with the people who are taking things is can we try to take a CBD packet in the morning or you know, when you're noticing when you're having the most pain and then wait 30 minutes. If you don't feel anything better in 30 minutes, I'm going to encourage you to take one more, right? And now we're up to 60 milligrams. And then if you still don't feel anything, then that's when you can potentially take your Advil or that pill again. But at least we know we tried a little bit of a dose here. I haven't been recommending anything over like two fringe packets at a time because I also want to take into consideration that this is a financial obligation for people too. Yeah. They're also, you know, they're coming in to see me. They're, they're paying money to see me. And now I'm, I'm trying to get them to take a supplement that I think is beneficial for them. But if the beneficial dose was up to 120, 160, 200, 300 milligrams for some people, they'd be spending a lot of money in CBD yeah, for a right. really long time. Now, I don't count people's money. If they can do that, that's great. Um, but I try to sort of also just don't want to keep throwing things at the wall. 
where it's like just keep right. taking more, keep taking more, keep taking more. And then in three hours later, their their pain rhythm just went down anyway. Right. And they're like, hey, Joe, you know what? 500 milligrams, that, whew, man, that was it. You're a genius. Um, I've got an upset you know? stomach from all the, the water I drank to consume that many packets. But yeah, I feel great. Yeah, but so I think, so that's, that's how I shy with pain, right? Um, is I'm going to have them do it in front of their normal medication routine because I think a lot of that stuff becomes ritual for them. Uh, and according to Bill Bryson's book, The Body, um, there was a, um, a physician quoted in there that I think said, most of the pain medication on the market right now works for about 50% of people, if you're lucky, right? And in those 50% of people, it only cuts pain by about one quarter to one seventh. So you're looking at pain, pain opioids, this net that have spent millions and millions of dollars to get research and studied that are only helping half the population that they intended to. And even in the population they're quote unquote helping, it's sort of just taking the edge off, right? It's not even eradicating symptoms. So if that's the best we got, well, then why not switch it out for something that's more natural um, that is safe? Yeah. Awesome. I I think that that's a great approach. And I want to just allow everybody, where can they find information if if they're like, hey, I'm down with this. I want to get those packets, et cetera, et cetera. Where, they, where can they find information about CBD, specifically Fringe? Yeah. So the easiest thing right now would be to go to the website. Uh, that's www.joinfringe.com and sign up for our newsletter. Um, we're still in the process of revamping a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What we've learned as a new company in the CBD space is that it matters very much the words you use when you combine them with the phrase CBD. Um, because we were getting shut down left and right, uh, marketing things were blocked. So we're sort of in a um, reshuffle strategy as what is the best opportunity for us mm-hmm. to reach a wider audience. Uh, and I think what we, what we settled on is just trying to talk to as many people as often right. as possible. Um, I, I think one thing, and I, I want to do a, a quick live read here. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my little ad here and then I'm going to come back. Yeah, with yeah, it. yeah. A thought because I want everybody to understand. I'm going to do a tease here. I think it's important to know how you guys are approaching the market, which we'll get to in a second. But real quick, yeah. let me talk to everybody about Clinic Gym Connect. You know, everything we do in medicine, where whether it's it's supplements or care or appointments or even telehealth, doesn't matter. It all centers around communication. And if you want to communicate with your patients at the highest level possible, build trust, build relationships, uh, encourage autonomy, all those things then you need to communicate with them in the way they communicate with everybody in their life, which is two-way text messaging. Not just sending an announcement text, but two-way text messaging conversations. The great news is we have a solution with Clinic Gym Connect. So if you go to clinicgymconnect.com, you'll see how you can integrate two-way text messaging to your daily care. We can also run automations, automatically send videos. We can help with your marketing uh, by by having uh, automations and processes set up, sending out videos like a CRM, a customer relationship management software. So check out clinicgymconnect.com where we can help you communicate the way that your patients already are communicating with everybody else in the world, which is two-way text communication. So uh, with that, let's get back to Joe. Uh, Joe, obviously I'm down with the, the patient communication thing, but let me the, the point I wanted to bring up before we went to that little read was this. There's an old saying, we are, often, we are always scared of what we don't understand. Right. And so if I tell you all about like, oh, yeah, uh, dragons are, 
uh, you know, dogs are, are, are scary and you're going to be like, I don't understand dogs. But as soon as you understand dogs and then how they respond to, you know, alpha position, it doesn't become as scary. Right. And one thing I really appreciate with fringe is some people are scared of CBD because of there's a void in their head and they're filling it with the misinformation they've already been fed. But you guys are tackling that by go, by providing education for physicians, right? That's one of the things you are putting together. I don't know if it's done yet, but you reason to sign up for the newsletter is there will be education about this very powerful tool and it will help you not be scared. So if anybody listening is like, I just, I'm nervous to tell my patients about CBD because, you know, I'm, it's a fear-based thing. The solution to that is education. That is always the solution. So do you guys currently have education on there or is that something that will be released in the future? So right now um, we have sort of quote unquote two days of education. Um, we have what's called our whole person health course, which is a four and a half hour sort of framework on how we want to think about laying out the scope of the land when it comes to um, looking at inner body or inner world between body and mind connections and outer world in your space and your environment and your relationship connections. And then ultimately how that is bound by your belief system. So we sort of do a grand introduction to those concepts. Here's the framework. Here's what we're going to keep coming back to. You know, here's what we really are passionate about at fringe. And then um, sort of leading into the, the number one thing that we picked from was this idea that plants are medicine. And that's where we went into the CBD space very heavily. So we actually have a six-hour cannabis science or endocannabinoid science course that's also available right now, right? Yeah. Um, so the so, goal, and now we got a rower and firefighters coming down the block. <laughs> yeah, honorary. Honorary rower. Honorary. Honorary all, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all, all scheduled. Right exactly. So, yes, the answer is that, yes, you do have a lot of, of education available. So if anybody's nervous or, or doesn't quite understand where, what role it plays, uh, you guys have the education. Because before I talked to Allison about it, Allison's the CEO of, of Fringe for everybody who's listening and was a previous podcast guest a couple of months ago. Um, you know, I didn't even realize that we have these receptor sites, you know, like we know about nicotinic receptors and, and you know, all these different receptor sites in our body. And I didn't realize that there are ones that play really well with, I, I can't, uh, endocannabinoids is that, yep. is that Endo, endocannabinoids? Yeah, yep. which by the way, you hit that word in Scrabble, you are oh, dominating. Game God. over, yeah. game over. All of these words, Josh. Uh, I think part yeah. of the funniest thing when we were recording day one stuff, uh, as an inside uh, joke to that stuff, I was like, I can't say anandamide, I can't say arachidinoglycerol, I can't say this word, I can't say this word. I was like, give me the Give me the, uh, the abbreviations for it. So it's like, just say AEA and 2AG. And I was like, cool, let's go back and cut out all those words and sort of like lip sync like an AEA or 2AG, like, uh, or just block out my mouth altogether. Um, I think you also like that, but that's a great, great, great point that you make. So yeah, we have these two days of courses. We're rolling out weekly newsletters to people with a different sort of uh, flavor, research review, um, something clinical by me, a research review by Genevieve. Um, we throw in some fun little things for people just for sort of following along as well. So yeah. I think that's a great place to start. We've had five this, this week coming up will be our fifth newsletter and each one is chock full of information. 
when you sign up for the newsletter, there also is a special little area for healthcare providers who sign up and quote unquote join Fringe. Uh, and there's a bunch of blogs on the actual website as well, sort of going over the ideas or concepts right. for CBD and pain, CBD and sleep, and CBD right. and stress. Um, you know, but I, you know, the other thing I think that is, is a little bit scary for people too, and I know that's a little scary for me as a physical therapist, is learning a new language on top of learning new information, right? You know, mm -hmm. I had never heard of the term pharmacokinetics before, um, but I'd also never heard of the term endocannabinoid system before. <laughs> so, you know, when you start diving into these new words, and you're like, wow, how am I going to explain this to patients? Um, it was a fun challenge I think from even a metaphor standpoint of like, how are we going to come up with metaphors? I think we beg, borrow and steal and modify from a lot of the people who are already out there sort of doing it well. And, you know, coming up with our own little twist on, on things that we, we've learned from the past, but yeah, it, it, it can be very intimidating. And I think like throwing out like, yeah, endocannabinoid system can be um, out of homeostasis in your body for a client. Right. It's like, Whoa, <laughs> That's a, that's a lot yeah. of things to put that up on the here. clinic, uh, on the windows, of the clinic. Are you looking for a uh, endocannabinoid therapy, uh, consultation? Then we are. Yeah. Yeah. Very here. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, but we, we do know that the endocannabinoid system is a communication system. I think that that's what we're sort of like harping on now is that it might not be an actual system, standalone system, like the respiratory system or, the um, musculoskeletal system in a sense, because what we're seeing with the endocannabinoid system is that it shares processes or has been discovered in every single one of these other tracks, if you will. So for cell-to-cell -cell communication, and one of the analogies that we use is the endocannabinoid system is really part of your relax and forget parasympathetic nervous system response in, to some degree, as well as getting cells to optimally communicate with each other. And I think a good analogy for even us today is, you know, being in a crowded gym or in a loud gym, you and me wouldn't be able to talk at a normal level with each other, right? Even if we were here, we'd be talking, you know, using our outdoor voices, even though we were inside potentially. And there are some times where that's okay, right? For context. Yeah. But now if me and you went out to coffee and because we got so used to screaming at one another, you know, me and you are sitting at a quiet Starbucks where people are studying and we're still screaming at the top of our lungs, that would sort of create a little bit of disruption. And I mm -hmm. think the best way to sort of look at that endocannabinoid system is that when these neurotransmitters start overdoing it, right, or, or staying in sort of a sympathetic response or a fight or flight response, yeah. um, the endocannabinoid system's job is to basically come on in and be like, hey, hey, you can be quiet now. You know, you can go back to, you know, the, the resting tone because we don't need this much signaling, right? We don't need this yeah. much crosstalk communication. Um, so as soon as the fire truck pulls away from the library, the cannabinoids act as a, uh, as a librarian to say like, hey, let's return. It's okay to be excited, but let's return yeah. back to quiet and we're going to move yeah. forward here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, because... I think, um, and you brought it up. It's like, hey, the, the, honorary, the honorary firefighter truck outside, right? It's a, part of every podcast interview, right? You know, mm -hmm. but no one uses the bike and the rower all day. And it's right outside my yeah. little door here. And of course, like everyone uses the bike and the rower when you do a podcast. Listeners right? of this podcast can assure you that my gardeners and their leaf blower are well in tune with the schedule of which I record. You know, like, <laughs> Well, yeah. Right? And, and it's funny because now... 
the way that we can handle that rather than maybe potentially getting all up in arms and, and, and thrown off kilter is that our endocannabinoid system is, is responsible for lowering a cortisol response to also the same amount of stress that we're exposed to. Mm-hmm. So, hey, that firefighter thing, I might get stressed out about it the first time. Like, oh my God, how this first time I ever did an interview, I can't believe it, firefighter truck. And then when it happens the 10th time, the 11th time, the 12th time, you're like, yeah. oh, I can make a joke about it now because I'm sort of adapted to that response and sort of kind of keep the conversation going, right? And that's sort of yeah. adaptation. And the other big word that we use in the education system is really allostasis. And that's really, you know, I think a, a better term for us to learn as providers and even clinicians over homeostasis. But that could be a whole nother podcast in and of itself. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so not just learning uh, how this can help, but a, a whole new language, a whole new framework, and uh, an, a new approach to new receptors that we may have been, we may not have known beforehand. So no wonder it's so scary. No wonder it's so misunderstood, and no wonder it takes you guys six hours to educate us. Yeah. Well, the other, the other, the other thing that um, I read recently was the difference between calling something a supplement. And a medicine, um, you know, and it's a CBD supplement, right? Not a medicine. And the reason why no one really calls it a medicine is because it's going to take $10 million and another 10 years of research easily just for one person to right. end up going down that You got to pay right? for a whole lot of PhDs at universities to get to medicine <laughs> status, baby. Totally, totally, right? And then, like, even then, what, we, what we're realizing is that we're spending all this money, time, consideration yeah. to call something a medicine. And is it really helping with what it's supposed to say? Um, so, you know, keeping things as a supplement. Yeah. You go into the wild west of the industry. Yep. Yep. Uh, it goes into the wild west of the industry, but I think that what we're hoping for at fringe is we police ourselves. We still do that third party testing. And then we hope that other sort of follow suit. And then the uh, evidence gradually catches up as things become more and more legal and accepted. That's awesome. So, uh, for the listener again, it's Joe Lavaca. He's head of education in for, for fringe, which you can find at joinfringe.com. But I think the reason I wanted to have you on is you're in daily practice of you're, you're down there with patients in the gym, getting them to the gym, doing the rehab with the weights and kettlebells. So you are our type of provider. And yet you still, cause sometimes I feel like people go like, Oh, that's a, you know, that, that provider is a nutrition guy. Or that one's a CBD guy, and you're you're doing the same version of care we are, and going, hey, I, I see this as a great adjunct to what I'm already doing, which is what yeah. I hope everybody listens for. So Absolutely. once again, can you throw out the website just so they can find that that those courses yeah, and yeah. newsletter? Yeah, best web best way to contact us or learn more about us: www.joinfringe.com. Awesome. All right, Joe. Well, I'm going to say uh, let's do this again. Uh, maybe I won't schedule the fire truck to drive by at that time. Yeah, I'll, I'll do something maybe on like a nice Thursday or Friday morning with a cup yeah. of coffee for you next time. There you go. <laughs> and I would love to hear what your, as you guys kind of get more people educated, like what are the issues that are coming up or that people are yep. addressing with this? Because time is the the factor. You just can't replace it and it makes everything more accurate. You know, look at all the research around everything we do with our patients, like time made it all better. So I look yeah, forward to hearing that exactly. from you guys. Yeah. yeah, well, on on behalf of uh, Dr. Joe Lavaca, this is Dr. Josh Satter- Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. 
Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 